In the world of floral design, there are so many educational, heartfelt, sincere floral design podcasts. And they're all boring as batshit. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't say that. We, what I would say is we are just very different, aren't we? I would we're like different, to we're dynamic, and uh, like, no, I can't, I can't say, well, only some of them are boring like that, but you know, there's, we, we put the, um, we put the realness, you know, we walk amongst them. We are we the people's, be- the people's florists. We are the people's florists. We are the people. We walk amongst you all. Yeah. How has your week been, my It's been sister? okay. It's been, it's about the 412th week of summer here. Oh. It's getting a little bit unbearable. Like we've had, um, I think that we've had almost a month straight of days over 30 degrees. That's it's hot. quite a lot. It's a yeah, lot. that's quite a lot. How are you, my love? I couldn't deal with that kind of temperature. I no. really couldn't. I'm like, I could deal with it for like a day. I couldn't deal with it for like, you have to work enough. in it. Nah, yeah. never. Um, I'm good. Busy week this week. Um, lots of bits and pieces happening. We're starting to gear up for our summer. So, um, for us, we kind of start getting, we've had like two weddings so far in February. We have a couple in March and then really from April and May onwards, that's when we kind of ratchet up to kind of like full power. And this year, um, I was slightly horrified to see we have 50 weddings on the box, um, for this year. It's simply because, um, COVID and rescheduling and everything kind of coming together. Um, so it's just going to be a very full-on summer. Do not try to contact me um, between May and August. Because she's not is, taking calls. She's not taking calls. It's going to be phenomenally busy. So we've been, um, like, this time of year, we obviously, after Christmas, we put all our, you know, festive uh, props away and we basically start cleaning and preparing and getting as much prepared as we possibly can um, for all of our summer weddings, you know, checking through inventory, uh-huh. ordering new inventory, like, pre- prepping all the bridal boxes, or, like, all of that kind of stuff that we and can do. And that takes time, love. Yeah, it does. There's nothing more annoying than, like, you're, you know, you've got a big wedding or a week with a couple of big weddings on um and then you don't have like everything prepped as well as you should it's just irritating to me i'm like why isn't this done like that's what january and february exist for for my business really to yeah. kind of get back to zero get prepped, yeah. get ready so we've been doing a lot of that this week and when i say we have i mean i haven't but the team has so someone else nice. has yeah someone great. else has so that's great um i am very excited for our topic today so the topic of today's podcast is of course epic failures in business. I want to know, Matthew, all yeah. about some of your juiciest, most toe-curling, most arse-clenching <laughs> mistakes that you have made throughout your business career. Oh do you dare God. to share? How many, how many hours do we have, love? Like... <laughs> 45 minutes, because you right. have to leave soon. Yeah, yeah true Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, girl, I think that if you don't make business mistakes or if you pretend like oh no that wasn't a mistake that was meant to happen ha 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 you're just lying to yourself love like it's it's important to to sort of nod the mistakes and go yeah I did make a mistake here how can I not do it again and god love I have so many I have so many like just just thinking about (laughs) it does it really does make me cringe thinking about you know some of the things that have happened (laughs) okay well um Dare to share one. Give, give us one example of something that, you, like, the first one that springs to mind that makes you think, oh my God, I cannot believe I did that. 
Oh my god, there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> um, I, I feel like one big mistake in business I made was um, betting on the wrong horse when it came to a staff member. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. I, oh. I, I feel like that's. Um, I feel like it's easy to be swayed sometimes with emotion in business yes, and yes, it's yes, so yes. easy to make the wrong choice because you think, Oh, I really like this person. We're going to have so much fun. And then you realize that they actually have no idea what they're doing. They're completely the wrong fit for the business in terms of <laughs> capabilities. And what a pain in your ass that becomes when you have to then get rid of them. Oh yeah. I mean, I have been there before and I personally, I think it's, it's definitely one of the hardest parts of business. I think for, for me personally, but I'm sure a lot of people, like a lot of business people I, I talk to share the same thing that actually one of the most difficult parts of running a business and the most diff- most uh, time consuming parts of running a business is dealing with the people that you work with and not dealing with them, but kind of, you know, overcoming issues or negotiating or, you know, kind of, getting things to be done as they should do. I mean, I like to think I've got a pretty seasoned team. Like uh, most of my team members have been with me for several years. Um, yeah, more, uh, which is great. Um, but it, it always comes up every now and again, you know, having to have that kind of issue where something pops up or you have to spend t- a lot more time than you kind of think you should or that you want to. I have one staff member whose issues like, um, it's kind of like sometimes the same thing will come up again and again and again. And there's only, I feel sometimes like there's only so many times that I can be like trying to explain issues or trying to understand things or trying to put things in place that make things better. Um, it can definitely be a really, really draining, um, situation. I think it can definitely be like really, really hard. Totally. And I think that, you know, sometimes even, Oh God, I'm going to be really bold when I say this because Mm -hmm. I guess I signed up for it. But one of the biggest mistakes I actually made in business was scaling my business to the size I have. Well, can I just say that is like such a bold and revolutionary statement, (laughs) to be honest with you. No, I'm being serious. I'm not, I'm not taking the piss because Mm. I think that so many people would look at the size or scale of a business like yours Mm. and go, wow, that's the dream. That's what I want. That's what I want. But you and I know that. So, you know, the biggest business you can have and the more work you can have is sometimes really not the answer. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a lot, you know, and I think back to simple times, you know, like we mentioned in life in general, you know, I've definitely heard the term thrown around a lot, you know, like we lived in such simpler times when there was no social media and there was, you know, Mm -hmm. analog mobile phones and things like that. And it's true, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. I, I think that often about my business, I'm just like, God, when I first started and it was literally just me, four walls and like a bench and some scissors. And I just Mm -hmm. loved being a florist. Mm -hmm. That was the simpler time for me. And then, the bigger you get and the more you scale and the more staff you take on and the more responsibility and things like that. It's just like, was this a business failure by me scaling to that size or was it the right decision? Who who can say, you know, like whether it was right or wrong, but like I look back on that and I think there's almost a little bit of regret, you know, for scaling the mm. business because it, sometimes it does take the love out, you know, like the bigger you get and the more responsibility you have, would you say? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because your role changes all the time. You know, when you start out, you would have spent nearly every single day and every hour on that workbench, making, you know, things and getting things done and all the rest of it, you know, actually working with flowers. And then as you, as your business develops, you spend more time meeting clients and more time writing proposals and more time dealing with staffing issues and more time dealing with wholesaler issues. You know, your job changes nowadays. Um, you know, I just did an interview yesterday with a magazine that's, if the issue is going to come out, um, sometime this summer. And we were talking a little bit about, and she, the interviewer said to me, you know, oh my gosh, you must, you know, really love working with flowers still to this day. And I said, I am very rarely stood on the workbench <laughs> making mm. flowers to say, I said, I'm designing things, I'm talking to clients, I'm mm-hmm, recording mm-hmm. things or filming mm-hmm. things. Like I said, my job has dramatically changed from what it was, which is, I mean, it's one of those things, like when you start out, you do it because you love it, but there is, and anyone in business or anyone thinking to get into business will know that your role does change as the business progresses. But I mean, the one thing I would say to you is that I actually wouldn't say that's an epic business failure. Mm. Um, and I don't, you know, it's not just because you're, you're my friend, but mm. you can only do as good as you can do at the time, knowing what you know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I agree. I, you, I agree. You know, you can't be too hard on yourself and say, oh, I was, you know, I messed that up or I did that because, like, I think when, you know, Maya Angelou says, when you know better, you do better. And I yeah. think that is, like, probably the most freeing statement on the planet. So, um, yeah. So, I, I, I wouldn't class that as epic business failure. I would say that is... A learning... Mm, a learning curve, yeah. You yeah. get wiser, and as you get older, you I think you get more aware of what will make you happy. Um, and that, that's not a bad thing, I don't think. So I have a really epic business failure, which I want to share with you. So it actually wasn't. Um, it wasn't my business. It was when I was about 19 or 20 years old, right? And I was working as a florist in a retail uh, store, a big retail store in Liverpool. Um and I, we were doing this wedding. And because we were a retail flower shop, right, mm-hmm. we never used to do a lot of weddings and events. You know, weddings and events were, um, you know, maybe like a, a bridal bouquet, two bridesmaids and some buttonholes. Like, that was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was because a we were re- ball and people got excited. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was like, we were a retail flower shop. So we didn't do a huge amount of wedding design. Um, anyway, we had this client come in and they were planning a wedding. And I can't remember what the total bill was, but from my memory, it was like three to four thousand pounds. And in my head, because I, I'd never worked in weddings and events before, that was like the end. Like, it was it the biggest be, yeah. spend, do you know, I had ever heard of me, like, 19 years old, of anyone ever spending on flowers. I could not comprehend that this person was spending three to four thousand pounds on flowers. Like, it was wild to me. Anyway, we met with the client, me and my boss at the time, um, met with the client, we talked through things, you know, I made a list of everything, and we then put a proposal together, sent the proposal out, etc, etc. So all of that was happening, and all all of that was getting done. And um, it was, they, they booked and it must have been a couple of months into the process, right? And the bride comes to me in, or the bride calls up my boss, right? And um, is on the phone to him. Now, because we were in a retail store, this will push you like so hard. We had little headsets that we would wear. So <laughs> when you were, <laughs> so when you were making, when you were on the workbench, you didn't have to, the phone was like in the office. It was like a good, yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it was miles away. So you used to have to 
stop what you were doing, put down your bouquet or whatever you were working on, go and answer the phone. And it could be anything from like a telesales call to, because it was back in the day when people did telesales calls and um, all of that kind of caper was going on. So my boss had invested in these little headsets. So you could literally like press a button on your headset and answer the phone. And if it was something rubbish, you weren't going to waste any time. You could still carry on, you know, making and doing whatever you were doing. So it was great. Um, so my boss came out, he was wearing a headset, and he said something like, oh, I've just had this bride on the phone, right? Um, what she's really after is, she's having big tall vases on the table, and what she's really after is, like, silvery water or silvery effect vases. And, like, I would just point out, right, that this was way before I knew anything about weddings and events. And it was probably, like, 2000 and... I don't know, like six or something. Mm-hmm. So me- metal vases I had never seen. I don't even know if they were like on the market then as like a very popular thing that people would have for weddings. And my boss was like, how can we make the water silver? Like, how can we like turn the water silver? So it kind of, it matches what she wants. And I said, well, I don't know, we could put like glitter in the water, but that's not going to really do anything. Like it's going to sink to the bottom. Da, 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 da. And um, he, so, and we were just talking about, Around. And I was getting like, for, I was a very gobby teenager, as you can imagine. Mm, mm. And I said something along the lines of like, what the sweet fuck does this woman want? Does she want me to like melt down some thermometers and fill the vases with molten mercury? Like, I have no idea what this woman actually wants me to do. And the microphone on my headset had picked that up. <laughs> And she could hear every word <laughs> of me ranting for about 30 seconds going, oh yeah, and I'll just go and malt down some mercury and pour it into a vases for her. As you can imagine, a gobby scouse teenage me saying. Um, and then my boss's face went white. Um, he went right back into the office and then came out like, like 20 minutes later. And he, luckily he was laughing. He saw the funny side of it. He was like, oh my God, she heard every word of what you said <laughs> and I had to write a letter of apology <laughs> to the bride <laughs> to say that I was sorry for my comments <laughs> it was ridiculous at the time but I, I, d- I know I know I was absolutely mortified like it was probably it was so embarrassing to me. And I will put that down to, you know, I was a gobby teenager. I didn't know really what I was doing. Like, I had no business really designing a wedding at all. Do you know what I mean? I was 19 years old. But then I would say, what are they doing hiring a 19-year-old? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, let's be real. Um, so, yeah, that was one of my... I, I still look back on that and, like, clench my ass a little. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a lot. horrendous. That's a lot. Yeah, that was, that was horrendous. Yeah, really, really, really bad. How about you? Your turn. What is the next thing that you can think of that is, like, highly embarrassing or something that is just... was a total disaster and you were like, oh, my God, this is not for me. This is not the day. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, wow. Yeah, there's... Um... <laughs> There's so many. I, I too have been definitely like foot in mouth a number of mm-hmm. times. Um, okay. when it comes to that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know if I would say that that would be my most epic business failures. I would definitely say that an epic business failure of mine would be, oh, okay. So about seven years ago or so, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. there was a, you know, Kosh here in Australia. The I do. Yes, we went yes. there when we were in Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. So, Kosh were having like this sale, right? They were having this run-out sale of like this, all of their older sort of stock. Anyway, they had these mm-hmm. vases and they were in their sales <laughs> section and I loved them. I mm-hmm. loved them. And I've always thought I've had quite good taste, right? Mm-hmm. I loved them. And I, they were so cheap. They were irresponsibly cheap to the point where it was, it was basically theft. So, mm-hmm. I bought all of them. Okay, how many are we talking? Oh, that came in, I want to say two sizes, but I think, oh no, it was three. It was three sizes. And it was like (laughs) a, um, it was like a, Oh, aqua sort of blue teal glass. Oh, uh, it was my a, God. It was Matthew. a really heavy glass, right? But it was really I, beautiful, right? I can visualize it already. It was like thick recycled aqua <laughs> glass. I know. I can see it in my... I feel like I'm touching it right now. It's hideous. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. Yeah. Oh, I touched it. I touched it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> it got to the stage, sis. I'm not joking. I couldn't give them away. Like, I, I, I couldn't give them away. I'd have them in the shop and, you know, like... People People would be like, oh, I'd like a vase. And I'd be like, sure, I could do something in this vase. And they'd just look at it like, no. Like, are there, are there any other vases? <laughs> like, and and yeah. you'd be like, you really need this one. You need an aqua you need vase. It. I can think of lots of occasions over the course of business where that's <laughs> happened to me, where it's like you place your bet on something that you think is going to sell really well and you sort of you go, yep, cool, I'm committed, I'm going to buy a huge amount of them and then they sit there and it's like, what have I done? You know, like I, can't, <laughs> I literally couldn't even give it away. And I'm, yeah, I've, done, I've done that a few times. <laughs> I can literally visualize the these vases yeah, and you heavy, sat in a pallet in the middle of them, just like a thousand of these aquamarines. It's literally how it went. And I remember the day, <laughs> I actually remember the day that they arrived and it, they came to my very first shop, my old shop. And mm. they, uh, it was like maybe three, three or four pallets got dropped oh, off kind of on the street. God. Yeah. And oh. I just remember looking at it being like, holy shit, where are we going to put all this? And <laughs> we're unpacking these pallets and stuff like that. And I just remember going, shit they're a bit bigger than I thought like I thought (laughs) you know because when you're not looking at something and you're buying it online and I looked at it and I thought okay it's um so the smallest vase you know those set of three Ikea candle pillar candle holders yeah 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 okay so you know the the low fat one that sits on the outside of the set of three yes yes that was like the smallest right and I thought that that would be like the biggest of the vases that I was getting. So I thought that they'd be really manageable and easy and like the right size. But the biggest one was probably like, oh God, like think of like a two liter Pepsi Max and like a little bit wider. Wow. Yeah. And nobody, yeah. like no, nobody, like no one needs like recycled aqua glass that size. No one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone needs aqua glass anyway. Anywhere no, they didn't. But, yeah. um, but that is so funny. That's hilarious. And you know what? I guess in those situations, we've all done that where we've bought things that at the time we think are like the end. And then afterwards you look at it and go, I was what such the hell an idiot. Was I thinking? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did I, did I spam out here? Was I high when I bought these? 100%. Like we've done that before. We've just been doing a big clear out, as I mentioned earlier, of our warehouse and going through our props and stuff. And my God, there are some hideous relics up there. Um, 
from times gone by. You know, we've been going through it and the, what the girls have done is they've gone through everything that we possibly have and anything that is kind of like questionable, mm-hmm. we kind of put to one side. I'm not exaggerating. I have hired two skips last oh, month. girl. Two skips to get rid of like stuff we don't need, stuff we don't use. We have like loads of stuff that we're going to do like a little sale with. But honest to God, like I looked at all of this stuff and I was like, oh my God, you've wasted so much money here on like all of this stuff. That's just a learning curve, isn't it? Everything is, everything is. Okay, so my next one, my next kind of um, business mistake. It's not so much, I don't think a business mistake, but it's a little bit, it's super fun and embarrassing. So I thought I'd share it anyway. Um, Okay, so... So you will know this story well, but I don't think I'll listen as well. So I did a tour of Australia with you, I think like maybe five or six years ago now, Mm -hmm. something like that. I don't Mm -hmm. know. And we stopped off in Melbourne. We spent a fair amount of time there because we did something at the uh, garden show there, mm-hmm. there, which was wonderful. And then we had a demonstration there as well. And <gasps> I... <laughs> and uh, okay. I will... If okay. there's one thing I will share is that when me and you get together, <laughs> we have a good time. We go out, we have we great eat. food. We yeah. Eat. We have, we have just, we really, you know, it's a, it's a celebration of our friendship. Yeah. Um, and we had been to some places. We had been, I believe what triggered it, but I could be wrong is we went to some rotating restaurant in Sydney, oh, which was at the top yes. of some tower. Yes. And I, I think I ate alligator or whatever. Anyway, that's what I'm blaming it on. It did not sit well with me. I have never felt more sick in my life. You were discoloured though. I (laughs) would. You know know when people say, oh, she's green, she's a bit sick? Like, you were discoloured. I will, and and because you are ginger, it gives you a base note. So it's like, it it allows you to waver from warm to cool shade. It gives me a pasty base note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw saw you change colours since. I remember having to prepare that demonstration. So obviously, if you've never done a demonstration before, dear listeners, you spend like a day or so preparing and kind of getting everything together and, you know, like getting everything kind of to a half-made state at least. So that when you're on stage, you can finish it in like 10 minutes and, you know, everyone thinks, you know, it's wonderful. You're wonderful. Um, Yeah, so I was, I remember preparing in the, one of the classrooms that we were, um, of the place that we were holding this demonstration in. And honest to God, throughout the day, I have never shit myself more. Nearly. Nearly. I didn't really. But I was so close to it several times throughout the day. I remember being, like, bent over the workbench, thinking, I could die here. Like, yeah, this I, is where my I body may lay. a crook. Yeah, I was. I was absolutely... I was so ill. Um, and of course, when you've, you know, we've flown over from uh, the UK, you can't cancel it. You've got, like, I don't know, or 50, 100 people, whatever, like, in the room. You can't just be like, nah, soz, I'm, I'm not going to be here. Yeah. Um, so you have, you know, the show must go on. And I remember beforehand, you drove me to... We went to, like, a... I don't know, like a pharmacy or something like that. And I got a boost, like a sugary chocolate bar, a boost, a full fat can of Coke and some like, I don't know, some tablets to like settle my stomach or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I literally went onto that demonstration. So the demonstration was maybe like an hour and a half long or something, like an hour to an hour and a half, like Mm -hmm. kind of usual. So I remember getting through the demonstration and at first it was doing okay. And I'm managing like not to either vomit or kind of, you know, shit myself frankly yeah. on stage it gets to maybe like an hour has gone past <laughs> and i just have a wave of nausea like i have never felt 
before. And I literally, I can feel myself getting like, like clammy. I can feel myself starting to sweat. I can feel my, like I was physically near fainting towards the end of it. And I think I looked over to you as if to say, the show might get messy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She could need to sit over a bucket. She could need to sit over a bucket. And I remember you stepped in and you were like, right, you know, I think I was at the end of a piece. I think I maybe had like one more piece to go or something. And you were like, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, you know, for joining us, da-da-da-da. And I, let me tell you, I have never ran faster to a bathroom than I have done after that show. It was the, oh my God. I actually remember, I actually still remember that night vividly. And I remember you like (laughs) doing this really like clenched cheek upright walk being like... (laughs) I just have to go. You know, like, it was just, yeah. I just have to go. I was so ill. I was you so were. ill. I, I really, really should not have been anywhere near that stage. Um, but you have to. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, it just stands out in my mind as probably the worst demonstration I've ever done. I can't, like, the people in Melbourne must think, oh, my God, I'm never asking him back ever again. He's horrendous. <laughs> um, because my, the Bond performance I did was just, it was awful. It was awful. And I like to think that when I'm on my game, I can give a really good show. I think Absolutely. I can be chatty and, you know, funny and, you know, engaging and all the rest of it. And I don't take things too seriously and all the rest of it, and, all, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but yeah, no, that was a hideous show. I remember doing that and thinking I, I could actually die here. Like yeah, horrendous. I do yeah. actually remember that too, love. And it was, that was, that was pretty bad. She was the moment. She was the moment. Mm. Okay. What's next on your list? What is next? Up? Okay. So I don't know if you'd call this an epic business failure or, or mm-hmm. an epic professional failure, but do you remember the ye old ye putrid Instagram post? Uh, I when don't I know what broke you mean. the internet with... No, tell me. So, a couple of years ago. Oh, you would remember. You'll remember <laughs> this. As soon as... So, I got sent, I got catfished, basically, a picture what? of another, another florist shop. And then okay. I screenshot the picture and then put up putrid. How are florist shops like this still in business? Oh my God. I remember this. Yeah. I remember this. Anyway, <gasps> I oh. remember putting it up and like, I, I own up to it because, you know, at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I wrote the text and I pushed post and, you know, like it was just, but to me it was just, oh, I don't know. I, I can't say that I meant it, you know, without malice. And I, I, you know, I, f- I feel like the intention was pure. I don't know. I don't know how to word how I felt about it, but I just mm-hmm. felt it was an example of like how you know, like something you'd say amongst friends, being like, "How does shops like this still exist?" You know, like mm-hmm. I haven't seen a floral shop like this for twenty years. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just shared it in the wrong way in the wrong forum, and I I copped it as I rightly should have because at the end of the day, I didn't think about you know one that, you know, the person that actually owned that shop could possibly even see what had been written mm-hmm. or how it would make them feel and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember copying that in a big way and oh, it was gosh. messy. And, you know, I remember accepting responsibility and just being like, there's nothing right now that I can say or do that's going to make this better. Cause I knew that. Mm. And I was like, mm. it's okay. I was like, mm. I expect you all to be angry, you know, and I expect you all to rightly so be angry, but let me, let me show to you in time that this was just 
a mark on my record. Do you know what I mean? Like, let me just, I can't show you right now, but for those of you that want to stick around, just be rest assured that I will, I will show you that this was just me having a bad day and made an example of, a, a bad example of the wrong thing, you know? And, but yeah, I would definitely say that that was, um, that was actually probably my one free shot because I came, I came what you would call close to being cancelled, you know, mm. like as such. Mm. Um, yeah. Can I just say though, like I remember you going through that and I remember seeing it from the outside and mm. I remember obviously hearing it from the inside from, you know, our discussions and things. Mm-hmm. And I think that at the end of the day, what you did was not a good thing, mm. but neither was it a crime. It was not the world's worst thing that anybody has ever done. Mm. But it has a way of feeling like it is mm-hmm. when you're going through it. Do you mm. know what I mean? Absolutely. It really feels like the biggest, scariest, oh my God, this is crazy. Da, 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 da. And that can be really, really difficult and really hard to kind of go through at the time. But I mean, if there's one thing, I mean, I don't know if you know, but over here we we have a joke of a prime minister. He is just hilarious, like hilariously awful. He's terrible. Mm. Um, and he has been going through like the worst crisis ever with this like party gate thing, essentially like for the past, I don't know, kind of like year or so whilst we have been under like a million restrictions and whilst we've been unable to do anything, you know, have parties, have weddings, all of this kind of stuff, him and his staff at 10 Downing Street have been partying it up. They bought a champagne fridge and like not on one occasion, on about 20 occasions, like it's seriously, seriously bad. Um, Like to the point where, you know, letters of no confidence have gone in. It's been debated, you know, so many times in our parliament. It's a big news story. The police are now investigating. The prime minister has been cautioned. Our prime minister has been cautioned by the police. And uh, there are up to 50 staff in Downing Street that are currently, uh, they've had to answer a questionnaire in the past two weeks um, as to their involvement in all of these parties. And they will be found. If so, they as it it will be proven by CCTV and all the rest of it. And pictures have come out and all this kind of, it's basically, you know, it's horrendous. They're all going to be fined. They've all broken and the law, all the rest of it. Um, but our Prime Minister is still in a job. And let me tell you what I have learned from Boris Johnson. If there's one thing that he has taught me, it is that if you hunker down, you can get through nearly anything. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, if you just kind of say, this is today, mm-hmm. it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. This is just right now. It's just a moment in time. I'm not a bad person. Yes, I make mistakes. Everybody does. But I'm just going to stay true to myself, hunker down, and you'll get through it. Yeah. God, that's, it's full on though, isn't it? Because it's like, I feel like in business as well, like in this, exactly as you said, in business, we find ourselves in situations often where you think, what the hell have I done? Or what have I signed mm-hmm. myself up for? You know, like, mm-hmm. and that can be like, I can think of situations where, you know, like I've, you know, fit out stores that I've got, you know, and you're mm-hmm. taking out mm-hmm. a bank loan mm-hmm. for enough money that you could buy a house. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like just Insane. just to get a store off the ground, you know? And mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. it's moments like that where you literally sit there thinking, what the shit am I doing? You know, like this is, <laughs> you know, and, and having to have that, that faith and self-belief that you're doing the right thing. And sometimes you don't even know, you don't even mm. know if you're making the right choice, you know, like it's just, you're, you're just going, okay, I, th- I think we're good. I think, yeah, I don't know, yep. like you know, and it's just yep. sometimes you don't know whether it's the right thing or not um, until you are at the other side. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think sometimes when you're in business and you have your own company or you know, you're in business, I think sometimes the public and um other everyone from the outside can hold you to a really high standard. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes sometimes it's fair and I think that you definitely need to be responsible in business for what you do and how you're doing things and, you know, operate with integrity and all the rest of it. But at the same time, sometimes I do think, "Oh god, give me a break." do you know what i mean like sometimes it can be a little a little much i think to put yourself have to put yourself out there time and time and time again and Mm -hmm. to run the gauntlet time and time again it can be really hard sometimes and i think sometimes yeah i don't think business people get enough credit for just how hard it can be i mean sometimes right i've been dealing with um a couple of different companies over the past kind of six months to a year where I'm dealing with a lot of people who are obviously employed full time by, you know, the company, by the companies or company that I'm working with. Um, and there are some moments when I'm dealing with people in marketing or in PR or in, you know, different departments. And I get off the phone with them after having a frustrating meeting or going round in circles or things taking weeks to get done. And I am literally like, God, I can tell you're employed and not self-employed. I can tell that you have never had to hustle so hard to, you know, keep the wheel, keep the lights on, keep the wheels turning, keep everyone employed. Because I do think there is, I mean, this is a very controversial statement. This could probably be my big business mistake. Um, I do think there's a difference. I think once you've been self-employed, once you've had your own company, you know the value of a pound. You know the value of a dollar. You know how hard it can be to make money and you know how all of the trials and tribulations and all of the stresses and all of the anxiety that can come with, you know, actually being a business and having to turn a profit. It's so much easier to be employed. It's so much easier to be employed. It's but- also a good thing to, when you're in business to also have, I don't want to say this because it's like, I don't want to give bad juju to people that are, you know, trying to set up their own business, but sometimes you almost need to have a little bit of failure. You know, like you need to have Absolutely. like, you need to have a couple of slaps around, you know, where it's just mm-hmm. like, hang on, there's a warning here, you know, like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be doing this or, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's that, you know, and I think mm-hmm. once you've had those failures, big or small, it, it helps because it, it's, it's like putting little markers on your past that remind you, it's just like, oh, that's right. We did that. And that didn't work. We, um, no one's doing aqua glass anymore. Like, (laughs) was anybody ever doing aqua glass? Let me tell you. No, I don't think so. Um, you know, but I, it's, you know, it's those little moments that allow you to actually look back and make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's this little saying, like, rejection can be your protection, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go for something and you don't get it, maybe it's because the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, uh, there's a higher power that's maybe saying, this is not the direction you want to be going in, I've got something better lined up for you. And whether or not you're religious or whether or not you're spiritual, I do sometimes think that, you know, when you don't get something or, you know, when there's a mistake or when something doesn't really happen, um, it, it can actually be, like, a really, really good thing. Okay, so I've got a story for you. Uh-huh. So, um, gosh, I love saying that phrase. I've got a story for you. Um, <laughs> I feel like Oprah when I say it. I've got a story for you. Sit down and you listen. Um, so, I was approached a while ago. This is maybe like three years ago now, four years ago. So, it's ancient history. Um, and we were, I was approached by a TV production company and they were doing a TV show um, on flowers and uh-huh. they were talking, it was like going to be a mix of like flowers and plants and yep. all the rest. <laughs> 
of it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. secretly, I am, you know, the next Delta Goodrum. So I of was course. like, oh, this, I'm ready for this. Um, and I was like, okay, this is cool. We can see what this happens. And I went for the, I went for, well, first of all, I had to do like a screen, like record myself and do like a screen test. Um, and like had a couple of, in- like an interview with a producer, then an interview with, I don't know, like a producer or like a researcher or someone, I don't know who it was. So we did all that and that was fine and passed both of those stages. And then they said, oh, we'd love you to do a screen test. So, um, like in person. So I went down to London for the day. We did like screen tests. They asked, asked me loads of questions, you know, gave loads of answers, all of that kind of caper. Um, and then they were like, yep, this, you're great. Like you're in the final four to be the host of this TV show. And I was like, well, naturally, like when are you going to tell the other three they haven't got it? Um, and we were going through the process of it and they were like, right, we just need to do some like pairings and put you with people, different people and see how you get on. So we did all of that. And then they were like, right, we'll be making like a, a decision soon. Um, and the thing, the commitment for filming, I think was like 10 weeks or 12 weeks or something. Um, and I was, and that's quite a long time. And it was being filmed, I think like from the August through to like the October. So it wasn't like my mad busy period, but we are super, we're usually super busy, um, in September with weddings <laughs> and to block out like 10 weeks. I was like, Oh my God, this is like a big commitment. So it was, it was difficult for me to kind of keep those dates whilst waiting and waiting. And the production company were, you know, there was delays and they were like, we're sorry. We're still looking at things. We'll let you know. We'll let you know. And this dragged on for like Months. easily over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Easily yeah. over like a month maybe and then in the end I was like I called up the um and produce them one day and I was, or text them or whatever. And I was just like, look, like, do we have an update? Like, it's becoming really, really difficult for me to keep these dates free. Mm-hmm. And I, there, she replied, the producer, Oh, hasn't anyone been in touch with you? Um, we made the decision last week. I'm so sorry. And I was livid. livid. I was so angry that I had, I felt that I had been really disrespected. No one could bother to yep. get in touch with me. You know, this, this producer who had been my contact all the way through had been like, oh, uh, like, we'll be in touch. We'll be in touch. So, you know, my boss will be in touch. You know, the, the, the exec producers will be in touch, all the rest of it. Um, it just went on and on and on and on. And then I felt at the end, there was such a blow off. They were like, oh, um, the decision's been made. Like, someone, didn't someone call you last week? And I was absolutely livid. I was so annoyed. And the rejection at the time, I was like, gutted about like I was like gosh this could be like my big break this is how I'm gonna get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame um and I was so annoyed and I thought you know what that's fine we'll see what happens you know it is what it is everything happens for a reason cut to like a year later or whatever and the show came out and it was yeah horrendous like it was slated in the press and didn't do very well It, it only got one season it was never recommissioned and I remember watching the first episode and I remember thinking thank Jesus, I didn't have to present this. I thank Could God I didn't get that imagine? job. Oh my God, I would have been mortified. I would have been absolutely mortified if I had to be like, look at this giant orangutan I made. Like, no, horrendous. Like, I just remember just the, for that show, the day that... Do you remember how I was supposed, or was put forward by you to be the to be a guest judge on the show? And I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't do the filming because it was on the setup day of Leeds Castle. Oh, was it? Yes, yes. Yeah, so the filming yeah. for the thing was on the setup day or, or the 
two setup days or whatever it was for Leeds Castle and I couldn't do it. And the most infuriating thing was is that it was being filmed like five miles away from Leeds Castle. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember. Infuriating. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of, yeah, there was definitely a reason there for you, my love. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was livid though at the time. I I I was so I remember the key word floating around and being thrown around at the time was disrespected. She's been disrespected. It was. It was. It was bloody disrespectful. It's like, it's no different to when you send a, a quote to a client and they ghost you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's that kind of level. Like, have the respect. To, like, yep. if of, they knew, I made it very clear that uh, you know, it uh, ten weeks is an awful long time to try and hold completely free in a diary. I've already mm-hmm. got previous commitments. Let me see what I can do. But I had been in touch several times to let them know that hey, this is going to be like pretty tricky for me to do, and I could really do with knowing sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. And I understand that I wasn't the center of their thinking. You know, they have considerations from their you know the people who are funding the show and they've got to think about the audience and they want everything. You know, I, I understand that I'm not the epicenter of everything. It's a shame, but it's true. Um, and in that situation, I felt that I had done everything I could to kind of communicate that this was pretty difficult for me to keep everything, you know, open. And I just felt completely and utterly disrespected, but everything tends right in the end. You know, it was, it was absolutely right that I didn't get that job and that's absolutely fine. And, um, I'm thankful that I didn't, but at the time I was devastated. Yeah, so there we are. Yeah, yeah. girl. And I went. Through, I know. I remember. I went through that similar thing with the US kind of yes. version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Were you treated better than I was? Uh, yeah. 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 I would Good. say that I was. I just. It's it's so funny because. Um, <laughs> I remember doing the screen test and everything for that, and then being told you're not camp enough and would you consider wearing a glitter kind of, you know, floral or embroidered like blazer or coat or basically being camper and more stereotypically gay and, you know, all of these things and basically being asked to not be an authentic version of myself and just at the time. I didn't know that. Yeah. And at the time thinking, you know, um, maybe I should have just, you know, healed and and said, yes, sure, no worries. And Mm. then looking at how it panned out and how the host that they ended up choosing instead of me, you know, ended up as they reclined in their flatbed. You know, how much of a good decision I had made at the time, yeah. you know, that it was just yeah. like, no, I decided to just be a hundred percent authentic and I didn't, mm. I didn't need that. I always think it's such a risk when you go for anything, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, oh, we're like, we, we'd like it, but can you just dot, dot, dot? Because mm-hmm. then I think... It's always a risk when you're not being yourself, isn't it? Of because course, you're of obviously course. the expert of being you, and I'm the expert of being me, and yep. everyone listening is the, the authority and the expert on being themselves. Mm-hmm. So when you have to kind of, you know, tweak that or change that or try to fit something else, it can be, if it doesn't feel right, then I don't think do it at all, to be honest with you. I think it's just really, really, um, not, not the way to go. And there's a lot of, a lot of lessons there, I think, to kind of stick to your guns and kind of be who you are. Like if you're in business, you're going to make mistakes. Things are not going to work out. You're going to have multiple opportunities that you're not going to get. Um, but the key thing is just to carry on trucking for lack of a better phrase and keep on going in the direction 
direction that you want to go in. It'll come good in the end. It'll come yeah, good in the always end. does. You know, and it's just, I, I really agree with that, that it's like, just be authentic. Just stay, stay authentic to how you feel and what you believe in, whether it's in business mm-hmm. or personally, professionally, whatever. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of epic business failures as such that we both can think of come from, I want to say, sometimes they almost come from, either a place of self-doubt or they come from a place of arrogance, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's it's Mm -hmm. because we think that we can't learn something or that we know better or whatever. Well, I can certainly Mm -hmm. speak for myself that some of the failures as such that I've had or the the learnings that I've had have definitely come from that, have come from a place where I'm just like, oh, what are you talking about? I know how to deal with that. Or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and you get a little bit cocky or you get a little bit arrogant and, yeah, I feel like that actually makes it even worse when you come to mm. realize that it's just like, oh, bugger, that was actually really the bad, a bad choice. Mm. I think it's, you know, there's so many reasons that you can end up like making, you know, quote unquote mistakes. But mm. I think at the end of the day, like as long as you didn't kill someone, yeah. um, I think you're doing all right. You know, you can always learn from things and apologize and set things right. Like of I've made course. so many mistakes in my career and so many, you know, humiliating moments and so many things that I look back on and think, oh my God, why did I do that? You know, da, 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 da. But at the end of the day, I think the, the only thing you can do is learn from them. And, you know, when you know better, you do better, you know? And I think as long as you're learning and progressing, I think you'll be all right in the end, love. I agree, Joel. I think that's very, very profound. Mm, thanks. I got it in a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> All of that on one tiny bit of paper you wouldn't believe. Um, <laughs> Alright, should we leave it there? Are yeah, we good? Go. Yeah, I- okay. <laughs> what? Uh, I just think people surely must just look at us or listen to us rather because they can't see us. Listen to us and go, what are these two idiots on about? Like, honestly, it's, <laughs> it's like our weekly gas bag. Do you know what I mean? It's our, weekly, it's our weekly chat and people just have the privilege of listening to it, you know? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you do, I don't know if you know this, but I actually forgot to post Sunday's episode on Sunday last week so this week right it went out a day late and i only realized um because usually well i'm I'm off on sundays usually and i just you know nip upstairs press you know go on the episode and then it's done but last sunday i completely forgot and i got two messages of people saying hey where's the podcast is it not out this week and i was like shit (laughs) like i've never quickly as she Puts on a tear-stained marabou nightgown and throws herself (laughs) down the stairs to push play. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I literally was like, (laughs) spilling my my martini as I went. Like, mascara running to hit play. Um, It was Butterflies dropping into display cases, love. Like, there's the walls trembled as she (laughs) went down the stairs. The butterflies were weeping, honest to God. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys, for this episode of Flowers After Hours. We have had an absolute hoot doing it, and I hope it's been doing it for you. It's been a hooty toot. Make sure you click subscribe down below and that you leave us a rating and review. That would mean the absolute world to us, and you do not want to miss an episode of Flowers After Hours. Help us on our way to becoming the next Floral Kardashians, and we'll see you on the next one. I am the goose. The egg has been laid. <laughs>